afternoon, whatever time it is, it's Zion. We're talking about different stuff about time recently, so you never know what time it, never mind. Never know what time it is here. There's a reason we don't let any sunlight in. We just, you know, we don't want people to know. I'm glad you're laughing at that. <laughs> uh, I just want to underline something. Um, what uh, Teresa mentioned is that immediately after service in the lobby, uh, our revival community leaders are going to be out there. So you guys can kind of connect with them. And um, if you guys have any questions or just are like, hey, if you feel like there's a gap in your life of community, I just highly encourage you guys to check it out and to talk and kick the tires. And don't kick them, but, you know, kick the tires a little bit. Um, just, just chat with them out, out there in the lobby right after. And I'll be doing a, um, an interest meeting for Kenya immediately after service as well, but I'm going to be in the basement. It's where we keep our youth, you know, just kind of. I love seeing more youth here. I love seeing you guys here. It's so awesome. How many of you guys love our youth? I mean, really. Our pastors, Jordan and Emily Rice, um, are just doing such a phenomenal job downstairs, and uh, they meet here Wednesday nights, and um, man, I tell you what, there's been a real kind of explosion of what God's been doing with our youth over the last couple weeks and couple months, and it's just so exciting to see. So we're going to go down there uh, immediately after service. It's this way, out these doors, and then down, if you're interested in, in going to Kenya. And so for those of you who are interested, it's September 8th to the 18th. Um, you can come and just kind of ask questions. I'm going to give you a handout with some information on there. Um, but if you, if you feel a call to the nations, how many of you have found that that won't go away until you go? That it just won't go away until you go. And you're like, well, I don't feel called to the nations, but I feel called to go. That's fine. That's the same calling. Just go. You know, I just want to encourage you, if you've never been to Africa, if you've never been outside of uh, our country, um, and there's opportunities to go on mission trips. This is one of them. We, you know, we do different mission trips throughout the year, um, and other ministries do too. And I just highly encourage you to go, even if that's not your permanent calling. You know, even if you're not meant to, to, to be there forever, there's something powerful about getting out of our day today. How many of you guys have found that? Just getting out of your day today lends perspective. It's like your eyes become wide and more open. You, you, you can even hear God and see in the Spirit in new ways just by getting outside of your day today. So September 8th to 18th, it's amazing. We go to Kenya. We work with One by One. Um, John uh, Jarman and Abby Grove are going to be leading the trip. It's just going to be an amazing, amazing time. So I highly recommend it. You guys okay? Awesome. There was one honest yeah there. I really appreciate it. Whoever said yeah with conviction, I appreciate you. Tim, thank you, buddy. Everyone else is like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm ready. Appreciate that, man. Well, Pastor Jim uh, is, is here uh, in the area. He's actually speaking at a local church, and he'll be here next week for uh, Easter Sunday. Um, am I missing anything else? That's enough. Are you guys good? Okay. How many of you guys, how many of you guys love Pastor Jim, though? I cannot wait. I cannot wait for him to be back next week. Um, I just love it when he, when he speaks. And every time he speaks, you know, we've been around Pastor Jim for a long time now, a lot of us. And he just spoke at CSSM like a week ago, and it was absolutely amazing. So we actually podcasted it. So you'll find it on the podcast, uh, his, his um, kind of message he gave about evangelism last week. It was, it was crazy amazing. And we also get this is the last pseudo announcement. Are you guys Okay. We're not going to, like, close in prayer. We'll, we'll like, talk about, you know, we'll, we'll encounter the Lord more. But uh, this last Thursday at CSSM, um, we have a, one of our 
locations is in Pickerington for CSSM, and we had Dave Jones come and speak. And guys, I'm just telling you all right now, it's going to be podcast. Go listen to it. It'll be up probably in the next like 48 hours. It's about the cloud and stuff that I, I, it's, I can't even talk about. It's absolutely life-changing. So you're going to see it on our podcast, and we'll be like, wait, where did he come, or did I miss that? He was just at our, our ministry school on Thursday night, and it's just amazing. I was, even, I was even teasing someone. I'm like, you know, maybe this morning, maybe we'll just sit here and listen. Can we just, like, play the podcast and, and just listen to, to, to Pastor Dave Jones? He's from uh, Bethel Community Church in, in uh, the U.K., and just a real treat to have him here. So he was the guy. For those of you who are like, who is that? Do you guys remember the guy who came here, like, five or six years ago and taught on the Bride of Christ? that's Dave that's Pastor Dave Jones so it was another one of those wow moments with him so are you guys ready for a wow moment today it's a lot of pressure well hey I want to talk to you guys a little bit about um, what we talked about a couple weeks ago you know I gave a message about about taking thoughts captive do you guys remember some of it or just kind of just that morning, the general, the general thing we were going after. You know, I got more feedback about that than I probably have anything else I've shared or, or led in the last year. And, you know, I walked away like, man, I didn't think it was that good of a message. But you know what? Like, like it's amazing how when you start doing something that God's doing, it's contagious to people around you. And, and there was something about that morning that I feel like God wants to, us to take another step into. So you guys ready to take another step in that direction today? You know, about, you know, taking our thoughts captive. We talked last time about how the enemy wants to come and put a seed of thought in your mind and see if you will begin to come into agreement with it, engage with it, or if you are carrying the mind of Christ, you are, and you actually begin to take a thought captive. And we talked about how you have authority over your thoughts. That How many of you know, as a, as a follower of Jesus, as a believer, you are no longer a slave to your thinking? That you don't have an ex- you're not a victim of your thoughts. Some of you are like, oh, but it's so nice to be a victim of my thoughts. It's just, it's just so, it just feels good. You know, what, what Cheryl was breaking off today was that deaf, dumb thing that would, that would have us stay in a place like that. That sometimes we start to feel sorry for ourselves, and in that moment, we are a victim of our thoughts. But good news is, is that Jesus says that you have authority and you have, you have weaponry that destroys all of the flaming arrows of the evil one, and your, your weapons of warfare are not carnal, meaning that they're powerful. And when we take thoughts captive, meaning now in Christ, we have a door that you can't just come into the house. Any thought can't just come in and rule and reign over your life. It does if you let it. But because you're in Jesus, now you have a door that you can evaluate if I want to let that thought in or not. And if I want to let that thought in, then I want to let that thought in with, with Jesus. I, I, want to, I want to make sure that that thought is something that, that is, is true of God, that there's truth on it, that there's life on it, that there's hope on it. But when depression comes knocking, if you don't know that you, you have authority to take thoughts captive, you're just a victim to anything that comes to your door. So we talked about that last time, about how we have actual authority in Christ, meaning that we can, take a, we can take thoughts captive. It's amazing. How many of you, since that message, or just over the last couple of weeks before that, you might not have even been here, um, how many of you have recognized that there has been a battlefield of your mind that now you're starting to take victories in? 
Real high again. Just look around. Like, be encouraged. Look around the room. Look how many people are recognizing that that place of warfare isn't in my circumstances. A lot of it is just between my ears. I know that, that, that our thoughts are oftentimes a testing ground for the Lord. Do you remember when Jesus came and, and spoke on the Sermon on the Mount? And he talked about things like, hey, if you think it, it's just like you did it. See, he elevated his presence to a place of our thinking. He inserted his presence, the invitation, into our inner being. And saying that if we think it, then it's like we already did it. But how many of you know, you didn't do it, but you thought it. But in the kingdom, it's like you already did it. Meaning the importance of recognizing a thought is actually the same thing of not doing an action that you shouldn't do, of not carrying a thought you shouldn't carry. Does this make sense, you guys? And I can't tell you how often, whenever we're in a place that God is just, is just really bringing some of the spiritual warfare of our thoughts to the surface, how many of you have found that you've had a lot of opportunity to think the wrong thought, maybe about someone? This is the testing ground. You're not like, oh, I'm under so much spiritual warfare because there's revelation on my life about taking thoughts captive. It's like, no, 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 no. You're actually in a place to see if you're just going to take the thought captive. It's not that there's an elevated level of spiritual warfare. It's actually for you now to begin to, begin to grab victories so that you would be strengthened by not taking that thought in and actually kicking it to the curb. Does this make sense? That it's actually, it's given to you the opportunity to think the wrong thought so that you can grow in strength. So that you can grow in the knowledge of Jesus. So that you can carry that greater revelation of his presence and power. You know, when we see things like um, uh, revival happening all over the world and, and, and healing rooms on, Sunday, on Saturdays, the second Saturday of every month. Guys, there are people who are getting healed and delivered every Saturday that we do healing rooms here. Did you know that? It's absolutely amazing. I walked through here yesterday, um, not to serve in the healing room, so I just happened to be here. And, and I tell you what, I mean, it was like we had people worshiping, the atmosphere was so thick, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, like, how many of you know that's available if we just start to engage with it? Meaning the kingdom of God is available if we just begin to engage with it. But your thoughts would try to say you're not ready yet. Your thoughts would try to keep you at a distance from the revelation of God's presence that's abiding in here. Does this make sense? You know, you can die of thirst three feet away from a water fountain if you don't drink it. I mean, probably not our water fountain because it's amazing. It's new. But you can die, you can, you can die of thirst three feet away from a water fountain. Just because you're around it doesn't mean you're drinking. Like, like just because you hear it doesn't mean you're moving in it. It actually takes something, and that's the next step I want to talk about today, is what do we do as we take thoughts captive, that the goal is we begin to, 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 to recognize the thoughts going through our minds play a big role in our heart and actually impact our relationship with Jesus. The thoughts we choose to carry and the thoughts we kick through the curb. In Philippians, it says this. You know, somebody asked me before, they're like, you know, what kind of movies do you watch? And I'm like, I watch good movies. 
They're like, well, no, like, what, what kind of movies? Like, what genre? Like, sci-fi or action? And I'm like, yeah, I, I love that stuff. And, but there was a season in my life, there was, about a, a, there was actually about a seven-year period of time that I didn't watch any rated R movies. And it wasn't a legalistic thing. It was something that, that the Lord told me not to do. He said, I don't want you watching any rated R movies. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Like, that, was, that wasn't even a big offering, a big, like, sacrifice. Like, I wasn't super into movies. But it was enough that I recognized that, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And, and during that time, how many of you know, when you start to, when you start to, 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 um, to get away from some stuff, when you see it again, you're like, oh, Right? Like, like if you, let's say, like, you stop watching TV for a little bit, right, just because the Lord might ask you, or you just may be like, hey, I just want to, like, free up space in my heart and my mind, and then you watch it again, and you had no idea the junk that you were actually watching, and it almost feels, like, icky. You, does this make sense? And so I went through this period of time where I didn't watch any, any of those movies, and I found that my thoughts were becoming, like, purified and cleansed almost just by not doing something. Does that make sense? And, and, and during that period of time, it's like, I've, here's the thing. Two thoughts can't occupy the same space at once. You, you can't. That, that, that's schizophrenia. Like, two thoughts don't occupy the same space. So we either give space for God to come and invade our thoughts. We give space for God. Listen, a really big part of our culture here that Jim and Mary have really pioneered for us is to raise up dreamers in God. To raise up dreamers. Listen, if you don't take your thoughts captive, you can't dream with God. If you're lacking vision for your life, if you feel like, man, I don't know what's ahead, but something's probably ahead, but I just have a struggle having a vision and dreaming forward, hope-filled dreams, start with faith-filled thoughts. And so, so when we talk about, okay, we're taking thoughts captive. We're going after this space. We're, we're taking back territory. This is one of the places that we begin to learn the authority we actually carry in Jesus. That it's not just because, you know, listen, you don't discover the authority you have in Jesus by delivering someone of a demonic spirit or by even healing the sick. You discover it in the secret place. You discover it in the pri- your private history with God before it ever becomes public. See, it's not about the show. It's actually about the presence in the secret place. I remember when I, I wanted to learn about uh, a number of years ago. Are you guys okay? I feel like I could drop a pin, and I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing, and everyone would hear it. Are you guys good? I'm not Pastor Jim. I need more than that. Okay, guys. <laughs> I remember when I, I was really wanting to learn how to walk in authority. Like, like, what does it look like? How many of you have gone through that? Maybe you're in that, or maybe you're still discovering that. You know, it says in the Bible that as followers of Jesus, we have anointing, we have power, and there's, we have authority. Thank you. All right. Um, me, and, me and Chris over here, we're going to do some church, man. That, that we have authority in Christ. Well, authority over what? Like, what does that look like? And for me, I wanted to learn, like, like, how do I walk in that? How do I actually live a life of authority where you're not a victim, where you actually are the head and not the tail? How many of you are ready to be the head and not the tail? Am I speaking to anyone today? 
maybe I'm just preaching to myself. That's good. I'm, that's okay. Me and Jesus are going to, we're just going to have a good time today. And, and I remember going through that, and I was asking, Lord, Lord, how do I grow? Like, how do I walk in authority? How do I grow in the authority that you've actually already put on my life? I want to I walk in it. I want to live like that. And you know what happened? Is he told me, uh, like, literally the next day, he goes, I want you to sign up for this. And now, how many of you have prayed a prayer and then forget you prayed the prayer, and then God starts talking to you, and you don't catch up to the fact that he's answering your prayer till later? <laughs> Am I speaking to myself again? It's okay. I'm having a good time with Jesus today. And, 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 and so the next day, he goes, I want you to sign up for this youth basketball league. And I'm like, you know, it's like an 11-year-old league, and they needed, like, like help and with, like, coaching and stuff like that. And so I'm like, all right, I don't know any kids. Like, I have no inside thing here. Like, you know, I'm like, I don't know anyone who goes here, but I'm supposed to sign up for this. So I sign up for it, and I go to this meeting. And they're like, okay, here's what we're looking for. It's a youth rec league, ages, uh, I think it was 9 through 11. And um, we, we, uh, we're actually full of coaches. We're good. And uh, we actually don't need any, like, kind of directors of it. We're, we actually got those filled, too. And we don't need anyone to actually help and serve with, like, the way that we're kind of administering the whole thing. That's good, too. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, all right, I mean, like, you know, what are we doing? You know, like, what, what can I... You know, Jesus, this was your idea, you know, but, like, what is going on here? And they'll go, but the one thing we do need is we actually need referees. And I'm like, all right. And now, I love basketball. I love sports. i played it my whole life. And so I was like, I've never, I've never liked referees. You know what I mean? They're the one who calls penalties and, like, fouls. It's like, who, like, grows up to be like, I want to be a referee and just judge people all the time, you know? And, like, that, that wasn't inside of me at the moment. And so I was like, okay, but this is what God wanted me to do. So, I mean, they gave me, like, the striped, you know, shirt and, like, the whistle at the meeting. I'm like, I guess I'm a referee, you know? And, and, and you go online and you take a training just in case, you know, so you know all the basketball stuff. And what happened, it was really funny. And so I'm like, all right, so I start refereeing in this youth rec league. And, um, and, and, <laughs> um, and okay, if anyone has ever seen kids play, they break the rules like every possession. <laughs> so, the, the, so the first day, I am like exhausted because I'm just blown. I'm calling foul. I'm like, dude, that was such a travel. Like, I can't even, like, I'm going to the coach. I'm like, I'm like, you can't double dribble. You can't do this with the ball. And the coach is like, they're kids, man. I'm like, I'm a ref. What do you want me to do? Like, like, what are we supposed to be, what are we doing here? And so, 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 it, so, you know, what, what happened is too, is that while I'm out there, it's like, it would be so blatantly like obvious that I wouldn't even call. I wouldn't even blow the whistle. Cause I'm just like, I mean, we're probably just going to stop, right? Like, you need me to blow the whistle on that? And, and they did. How many of you know, like, like, referees have the most authority of the, on the court. And now I asked the Lord, teach me to walk in authority. And he goes, I want you to be a referee. Because everything I said got, went. Like, like, it was like everything I said just makes sense. When I called something out, it was called out. And, and, it, and, it, and it was uncomfortable for me at first. It was almost like I, was, I wanted like, you know, like a little referee team to be in agreement with me. You know what I mean? And there wasn't. It was just me and sometimes one other person. And what happened is I started to actually grow in recognizing that, that, that as, as a referee in a youth rec league, what I say goes. And God was teaching me that I already had agreement with him. I didn't need agreement with others when it comes to releasing authority in my life, to releasing authority to people, it just makes sense, to situations around me. 
You know, you don't need other people to come into agreement with kicking out a bad thought. You just need to recognize that you actually have authority. That, that listen, when you speak, the kingdoms of this world listen. The kingdoms of, of, in the spiritual realm listen because you're in Christ. Do you know that? So let's open up our Bibles. Um, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Hebrews 11. Now this is the, the famous, really famous verse about faith. This is kind of the, the hall of faith. These are the heroes of the faith. Hebrews 11, verse 1. It says this. Faith is a confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. I'm going to read it again. Are you guys okay? Faith is a confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Now, the writer of Hebrews goes on to, to talk about how, verse 3, by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command that we now see, and, uh, that we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. He goes on, by faith Abel was brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain. Verse 5 says, it was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. Verse 7, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. Verse 8, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God gave him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. So did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited that same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. You know, there, there's something really important that, that we don't live, like, in order for us to live in faith, we have to recognize that faith looks forward. That, 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 that what we want to marry is our thoughts are laying the foundation for what we're going to walk into. And our faith brings us there. Does this make sense? So our thoughts lays the foundation, and our faith brings us there. Our faith actually has to connect a promise of God that comes into our thoughts, and we actually start to move in that direction. See, faith faces forward. Faith faces forward. You know, faith doesn't look backwards. How many of you know you have an amazing Savior in Jesus who has washed your past? who has cleansed you from your past, and even the mistakes of yesterday because you've gone before him. Does this make sense? Even the things that happened recently that you've repented of, something that, you know what, maybe there was a disconnection with someone and you went and apologized to them. God's like, I'm not even focused on that. That's washed clean. That was really important to me. Now look ahead. That what happens, I see this all the time, is that in believers, something occurs where like, you are faith, you're, 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 Faith is faced forward, and then something happens along the way, and you can't get up from it. Listen, that is a total lie from the enemy. Am I speaking to anyone today? Like, that is a total lie from the enemy when you feel like you've stumbled, and now you're disqualified. That's a lie. Look at these people that we read. Noah, Abraham. These are imperfect people that continue to face forward with their faith. And now it says that all of these men, especially things like Noah, you know, Noah got a promise from God. 
Noah went through testing before the breakthrough came. That your biggest test will come before your biggest breakthrough. Some of us are like, I don't like that word. (laughs) That your biggest test comes on the eve of your breakthrough. Did you know that? Because what happens is your testing is trying to reveal what's really inside of you and are you ready for the breakthrough? Do you remember when Jesus, Jesus, when he went to the cross beforehand, he was praying. It says that he sweat blood praying. This is the eve of the breakthrough. Now, no one around his life even believed he was Messiah. I mean, Peter did once, and then he disowned him three times. Like, people around him weren't even sure what to make of him. His, his, ministry, his ministry looked like it didn't have followers. Sometimes they'd have thousands, and then he would say a really, like, you know, a teaching that only Jesus can get away with. Like, you're going to eat my, you know, flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, we're out. Like, you know, we're, I can't handle that. And, and Jesus would turn around, and, and, and the 12 were with him. And he said, do you guys believe me? And that's where Peter would say, he would make a declaration. Peter actually would say, you're the son of God. Where else would I go? That, there, that, that, that sometimes Jesus, now this is Jesus going to the cross. This is the moment of his biggest breakthrough, his resurrection from the dead, defeating death. Come on, Jesus. And the, and the eve before, he is there sweating blood. And in that moment, it says he turned to the Lord and an angel came and strengthened him. In that moment, he turned to the Lord. In that moment of testing, he, he, he turned to the Lord. When he couldn't comprehend what was happening, he turned to the Lord. Noah got a promise of rain com- coming, and it never rained before. And he built an ark. But his, his faith was forward. He believed, he took what he, God said, didn't dialogue with doubt in his thoughts, and actually positioned himself for his actions to be married to his faith. Does this make sense? I promise we're going somewhere with this. These aren't random thoughts about faith and thoughts. At least not too much. (laughs) That it it says in James is that your faith and your deeds must come together in order to make your faith complete. In order to make your faith complete, your faith and your deeds must come together. Now, it says this. It says in James that, you know, show me your actions, I'll show you my faith. Show me your faith, I'll show you my actions. And C.S. Lewis likened it to faith and action as two, two, two uh, shears of scissors, that they don't work without the other. That where you have faith, where are your actions? Where you have actions, how many of you know that's not the basis for your relationship with Jesus? You see, our thinking plays a role in what we, we, we attach our, our faith to. And when our faith is faced forward, we're actually able to see a path in front of us. We're actually able to step into something. Now, how many of you have gone through where you had faith for something and it didn't happen? That you, you really, you know, you felt like you were supposed to go, you felt like you were supposed to do this thing, you felt like, you know, you are supposed to, whatever that is, and you went for it and it didn't happen. You know, there are so many times in the Bible where it looks like someone who walking in faith, that, that, that if you take just a, a, a two chapters of an eight-chapter book, it looks like failure, right? If you only read two chapters of an eight-chapter book, it looks incomplete. How many of you know God is the, Jesus is the author and the perfecter of your faith? 
So quit reading chapter 3 because chapter 10 is not done yet. Whatever chapter you're in right now, listen, God sees the fuller picture. He sees the wide-angle lens of your life. And what might seem like momentary failure is actually part of a story that's going to end in victory. I remember, you guys want to hear one, one more story? I remember the first time that I went to Africa. This is like 12 or 13 years ago. And uh, I remember I was like, I'm like telling people about it. I'm, I'm just like, you know, I can't believe it. I, I, okay. I was really young in the Lord, and I was just so excited to know Jesus that I never thought he would like send me to Africa or like send me anywhere or like use me. Like I, I didn't, like I, I didn't, I didn't have like an ambitious thing to like do stuff for Jesus. I was just so in like love with him and just so pumped that I got to know him that everything else was just like cherry on, you know, on the Sunday. And I, and I had like, I had like, I mean, it was probably a problem. I had like no ambition, you know, I just love Jesus. I'm like, no, I'm good. Like I just didn't think of myself really highly like at all to be able to even like serve the Lord. Does this make sense? I'm just bringing you to where I was, okay? And, and at that time, the Lord told me to go to Africa uh, on, this, on this mission trip. And, and I'm like, okay, like I'm responding yes to it. And uh, I'm doing like fundraising and sending letters out. How many of you, I don't even know, do people do that? Letter? Yeah, people still do letters. Okay, I did letters. And you send letters out to friends and family. And I would have a dream the night before every time a check came in. So I would dream that the night before and like my uncle would send me $100. And I'd have a dream about a $200 check coming in the mail the next day. And the next day, I got the check. And so all this stuff is happening. How many of you, like, how many of you have been in those places where like, every confirmation is raining in and you're just like, I am in the will of God. This is amazing. Right? Yeah. And, and, and so I'm like going through that. And it's just like amazing. And then about, about, about three weeks ahead of the trip, I started, to, I, got, I, I started to literally have borderline panic attacks. That I was like, I would be driving in my car on the way home from work, and I would just begin to have these thoughts of, like, I shouldn't go. That, like, God, God messed up here. He, 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 he went through his Rolodex, and he meant another Sean O'Rourke. He did not mean me. And I was convinced. I mean, like, 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 how many of you know? Like, it was lingering for, like, two, three weeks. This kept happening every time I drove home from work. And so finally, like, like I, was, I was, like, about to call him. Like, dude, I can't go. My money, the money was all in. It was already paid for. We're like three weeks out. But I was so convinced that I shouldn't go that I literally was, was calling friends and being like, hey, I think I'm just going to bail on this trip. Like, you know, I just don't think I'm, I'm not the guy to go. Like, I, like I, I, what, what was happening? I was letting the enemy speak to me, and I was believing him. And it was actually, it was actually manifesting in my physical body through stress and anxiety. How many of you can relate? And what happened is I had to have people around me pray for me, and break some stuff off of my thinking, but also just, man, you guys need to know that when you go through stuff, you need to get around other people and let them pray for you. I mean, it's amazing. I finally let people just lay hands and pray for me, and I got totally set free from it, and afterwards, I was like, no, I'm good, let's go. That might not sound like a big deal to you, but it was a really big deal to me at the time, and I literally didn't want to go. And, and that was a trip that I went on, and God spoke to me audibly for the first time in my life. And that was a trip that I got called out three different times in three different cities by three different prophets that I was called to be a pastor. Now, I was on, I mean, I'm not kidding. I was, like, hitting the delete button to not go three weeks before. 
But sometimes the moment of our biggest attack, that biggest testing, is on the eve of our biggest breakthrough. So what do we do when we begin to to recognize that, when we begin to to take authority over those places, that that not every thought is from God, that we need to take thoughts captive and put it against Jesus and recognize in a moment if this is from the Lord or not. Does this make sense? What happens? You know, when we start to do that, and now our faith is pointing towards what God is doing, what God is saying, because we're doing a good job taking our thoughts captive, then what we begin to do is we, we need to begin to proclaim and speak out what God is putting in us. Bobby Connor just gave us a word this week that there's power on our proclamation. That we need to speak those things out of what, what is happening. And so I'm going to read this and we're going to close. Are you guys okay? We're going to close with this. It's a story. You guys are really familiar with this. It's a story in... Uh, 1 Samuel 17, David and Goliath. A lot of us are familiar with this, of, of how David, uh, the Philistine Goliath, is out there taunting the armies of the living God, and, and, uh, and all of Israel is totally intimidated by, by Goliath. Uh, and here comes David, this, this boy. Awesome. So here comes David, uh, you know, a 15, 16-year-old you know, kid at home, and he comes out, and he sees what's going on in the fields. He sees the taunting. He sees the words being released by Goliath. Are you guys connecting? He sees what's being released. He recognizes it, and David shows up, and David actually is carrying something that the other ones aren't carrying there. He says this. This is David, verse 32. 1 Samuel 17, verse 32. Don't worry about this philistine, David told Saul. This was King Saul. David went to the king and, and basically, this is David, a 16-year-old, goes to the king. Everyone's scared except David shows up and says, don't worry about him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he is a man of war since his youth. How many of you are recognizing the battle of words right now? It looks like Saul came into agreement with Goliath. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion and a bear came to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. How many of you know, face faces forward and faith fires back. Listen, not everything that happens in your life is God's sovereign will. Some stuff you're supposed to fire back. Some stuff you're supposed to take hold of again. And here's David. He goes, no, listen, I have a core value that when... The wolf comes, when the lamb comes, when the bear comes, I fire back. So, of course, I can defeat defeat this foe. Are you guys with me? We're almost done. Verse 35, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns to me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I love David. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this Philistine. How many of you know? Remember we talked about before what you, what you win in the secret place, you actually get to release in the public place. It's not the other way around. You don't get these great public things and then go home and then kill the bear and the lion. No, no, no. You did that before. You took thoughts captive. You recognized authority in the secret place so that you can be released into your destiny. Does this make sense? So David shares his story about his secret place, his secret history with God at home. 
Verse 36, I have done this to both the, the lions and the bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord has rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear and will rescue me from the Philistine. King Saul finally consented. All right, go. Go ahead, and may the Lord be with you. Now I'm going to skip some verses. He tries to, King Saul tries to give David his armor. To, hey, go fight Goliath in this armor, only the armor didn't fit. How many of you know that's a good word for a different message? Someone else's anointing doesn't fit on you. Amen. So he recognized that. Verse 41, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at his ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the name of his gods. Come over here, and I'll give you your flesh to the birds and wild animals. What did Goliath do? Goliath used words. Are we connecting that? He cursed him. David replied to the Philistine, "You come at me with the sword and the spear and the javelin, but I come at you in the name of the Lord of heaven's name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head." How many of you know? Faith fires back. Only he fired back with truth. Are you guys okay? And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. I love David so much. I'm sorry. And everyone assembled here, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not the sword and the spear, not by the sword and the spear, but this is the Lord's battle, and he will give you all to us. What did David do? David actually began to declare what his thoughts had inside of him and what he, his faith was carrying. He fired back with his words because he knew, listen, he couldn't fire back. Listen, if he was, if he was like the rest of Israel and King Saul, he, you can't make these declarations because you've, you've believed the intimidation. That they needed to get set free from this to, or, to even be in a position to fire back. And firing back was taking hold of what God's promise already was. Does this, am I... It says, as Goliath moved closer to attack David, verse 48, uh, David quickly ran out to him. <laughs> Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. And the stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. What do we see here? The one who is partnered with God, who built the secret history with God, who is living a lifestyle with God, who was anointed by God, his words were the ones that manifested. His words were the ones that conquered. How many of you know we need to be able to be in a position that when, when we go out and fire back, that we're not doing it from a compromised position, but from a holy position? that we do it from a, from a place of releasing our words, but it's done in the secret place, just like David did. And I love that this story, it has nothing to do with, with a sling and a spear and a javelin. It actually has to do with David just simply living a lifestyle, coming prepared, and then using his words, and not believing one thing from the enemy. How many of you know, you don't have to believe anything Satan says. Did you know he's a liar and the father of lies? You know, if, if David 
Listen, this battlefield, this ground in this story is your mind, and it's a picture of the kingdom and the enemy, of David coming and Goliath coming. Listen, if he believed one thing that Goliath said, he would have been compromised. That you don't have to believe anything. How many of you know the devil will lie to you about stuff you've never done? Because he's a liar. That he will actually lie to you and tell you you did stuff that you've never even done. He will come and try to, to, to put seeds in your mind. But I, guys, I have such great news for you. You have the mind of Christ. That when you begin to partner with heaven, you begin to get the victory in that battleground. And what happens, it says that you actually cut off the head of Goliath. That that chirping thing that you're listening to, you have authority to cut it off with your actions. With taking a step forward. With stepping into something. So let's just stand up right now. Let's just stand up for a second. You know, every promise of God that's on your life, how many of you know, is true? Every promise of God that's on your life is true. Every promise that God has spoken to you and every promise in Scripture that's for you is true. It's not partially complete. It is finished. It is true. And right now, I just want us, just as a family, as a group of people, just to, to, to prophetically take back that battlefield again, because that battlefield has always been meant to not be a hard place for you to grow. It's actually been meant to be a, a trophy case for your victories. It's actually been meant to be a place that you, you, that secret place where you have victory after victory after victory after victory, and not a sense of defeat and discouragement. So what we're going to do is, you know, we're just going to, I want you guys to put your hand on your head like you have a helmet on right now. And I want you to just take off, and I want you to imagine that you're grabbing every little lie and every small thing that, that you have believed that the enemy may have tried to insert into your brain. And I want you to just remove it right now. Just whatever that looks like for you, just go ahead and just, just shake it off and remove it. And now I want you to reach higher, and I want you to grab the helmet of salvation that's the mind of Christ, and I want you to put that on your brain right now and on your mind. And we just say, heaven, you have given us you have given us direct access to the mind of Jesus, that we are victorious in our thoughts, that we are victorious with our words and with our actions, that no weapon formed against us can ever prosper because you've made us to be more than conquerors. So Jesus, we thank you today for just a new day of victory over our minds, over our thoughts, and over our emotions, God. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that today you're just raising up a new, a new banner, of a new standard, Lord, to walk in with you a new standard to walk in with you. So just put your hand on your neighbor right now. And I just want you to just, just right now, just come into agreement that there is a higher places in God for you, that there's higher places in God for you, that it's time to dream bigger. It's time to think bigger. It's time to go bigger. It's time to break out from the crowd and begin to lead. It's time to be a champion that's brought out from the crowd. And we just come into agreement for you that you are a champion. Just come into agreement. You are a champion that you are a champion, that you're not a second-tier citizen of the kingdom, that you are a champion in God. And then when you speak, when you speak, the world feels it. When you speak, new realities are formed because of your partnership with Jesus.
So if you receive that, just say amen. Thank you, Lord. All right. If I could have, if I could have our ministry.